Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Well, good morning, everybody. I'll get to these in a second. It's great to be with all of you this morning. Pastor Craig, thank you for inviting me back here at Christ Church at Grove Farm. But everybody sees really what's going on here today, right? It's time change Sunday. He wanted to sleep. So he invited the the guest preacher for the day. Man, Christ Church, it's good to be back with all of you uh, today. You know, um, a little bit nervous this morning um, because I have not preached in a church building in nine months since I preached here last time. Uh, you know, it's not that I've been preaching or I've been banned from churches. It's, it's not that. It's just that my preaching looks a little bit different these days. Um, you know, over 20 years of ministry in the local church, and then God did some crazy stuff in our lives, and now I'm preaching in stadiums and in locker rooms and in hotel conference rooms. And, um, you know, what I'm really nervous about today is this is the first time that I've preached in pants. Um, you know, let me explain. Um, you know, I've been preaching in like sweatpants and hoodies, you know, and, and then when COVID hit and everything went virtual, you, you did it too, right? In your business meetings or whatever, you just had shorts on and you had a tie, you know, right? So I just did the same thing. So I, I'm feeling, I realized that my pants don't fit as well uh, this morning. So anyway, uh, enough of that. I want to invite you this morning into my theological box. Okay, I'm going to get inside this box, and I want you to imagine that you yourself are getting inside your theological box. Now, what do I mean by theology? Let's start there. Theo, God. Logos, word. Theology is the academic study of God's word. It's, It's our intellectual pursuit to try to understand who God is. We, we study him to try to figure out God. And so all of us have a theological box. And so in our world today, every one of us has a theological box. Many of us, you know, we know people who, who might be that uh, on front of this box, it says atheist. And you say, well, well, no, they don't believe in a God. Well, that is their intellectual understanding about God. That's their theology about God, They're, that God doesn't exist in their box. Okay, the, you know, there's agnosticism. Huge label, right? And this just simply means I'm not sure if God fits in my theological box. I don't don't know if he exists or or not, right? We have so many different world religions, right, that that we could put the labels on front. Many of us who are here today, my guess is, is that we prescribe to Christianity, that theological box, right? And we declared this morning all of these different things about the Trinity, We believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? We believe that Jesus is the cornerstone of our theological box, right? That in his death and in his resurrection, we have hope and eternal life. This is a part of our theological box called Christianity. 
But here's the thing about the Christian theological box. There are so many different versions of Christianity. We, we happen to call them denominations or different traditions that people subscribe to. So let me just give you a little bit of my journey through different theological boxes that I then had to come to an understanding of what it is that my theological box was. What I understand who God is. And so I grew up in an amazing church, Beaver Christian and Missionary Alliance, right? And when I was a little kid in Sunday school and a vacation Bible school, they gave me a theological box. That's what they taught me. It was, it was the CMA denomination, beautiful denomination, right? And so when I graduated from high school and, and then I went to Geneva College where my mom worked and she, because she worked there, got me a free education. Thank you, mom. Love you. Right? She's here this morning. I honor you this morning, mom. Right? But at Geneva College, I had a choice to make because the Reformed Presbyterian theological box was a little bit different than the Christian and Missionary Alliance box. So I had to make a decision. Am I going to step into the Reformed box or am, am I going to stay in mine? And I had a decision to make. See what happens here, right? As we learn and study God's word, we, we then have to make decisions and we build the box around us, right? And then my senior year of Geneva College, I was able to be hired by an incredible church in Sewickley, Pennsylvania, Christ Church of Grove Farm, to be their first ever full-time youth director. I loved it. I learned under the incredible teaching of John Guest, one of the best communicators of the gospel I have ever heard. But it was a little bit of a different tradition, an Anglican tradition that I did not have a category for. And so it was a little bit of a different theological box. And then when I left Christ Church, went to an incredible church in Detroit called Rock Point Community Church. And that theological box was very different than anything that I had ever learned along my journey. And when I was growing up, they used to teach about this third person of the Trinity called the Holy Ghost. That's how I remember them referring to him. And I was scared of ghosts growing up. Anybody else? I, it was like, I don't want anything to do with that third member of the Trinity. But ever in Detroit, they began to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I began to have teachings and different understandings. I, wasn't, I didn't want to be afraid of the ghost, but man, I was intrigued by the Spirit of God. And so I had to make decisions based on a theological box. What was I going to do with some of the experiences I was now having with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, compared to what it is that I had learned at the Reformed Presbyterian tradition? You see how we have to make choices and build our theological boxes, right? You know, and then while we were in Detroit, we felt, Erica and I felt compelled by God to plant a church that was very similar to the church that we were experienced in Detroit back here in Pittsburgh because this was home. But here was the thing. It failed wonderfully. It, it, it was, we learned so much about our theological box, but we experienced so much pain. Like it was the hardest year on our marriage. We had, we had two babies at the time. 
And when that church plant did not work, I was left to reconcile experiences where I was saying, God, you told me to do this. And now it failed and I got nothing. I got a family. I got babies to feed. And I got nothing now. And so my experience, it started to shake my theological box because how could God call me to do something that it would fail? I had to reconcile that with my theology and and I began to understand that God was not interested exactly in my box, that he was coming outside of my box. See what I'm saying? And then from there, God provided an incredible church that I was able to come on staff, Northway Christian Community. For 13 years, I experienced God at a whole new level, having an understanding that different theological boxes can coexist if love reigns supreme. Right? And I I didn't have a category for that, but I was experiencing things. Right? And then from there, God did this incredible work in Erica and me. And he said, I want you to step out in faith and leave your box. The thing that you've been doing your entire life, 25 years of ministry in the local church, and I want you to leave it. I didn't have a category for that. And I want you to become a missionary with athletes in action to become the chaplain to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. But God told us to do it. We stepped out of what was familiar to us. And here's what I've come to understand. That God doesn't want to be put in a box. You know, this past season with the Steelers and everybody experiencing COVID and all of us going through a collective trauma together in America with the sin of racism, with the political divide, with COVID, we've all been going through a collective trauma. In November, my brother got COVID. Ten days later, he died. This does not fit in my theological box. God, why? Like, I believe that you can pull off the miraculous. I believe that you can heal. Why not, my brother? And my box has been shaking my box because he didn't answer my prayers in the way that I wanted. Did you hear what I just said? He didn't answer my prayers in the way that I wanted. He answered my prayer. He just said no. Sometimes in life we experience pain and tragedy, trials, tribulations, sufferings, death. And we don't have a category for it inside as we stand inside our theological boxes. And here's why. It's because we try to shove God around us. And what we understand and what we want 
And so when God allows things like this to happen and circumstances come our way that do not meet our theological understanding, we have to reconcile in our faith that God does not exist inside of our little boxes fitting around us. He's way up here saying, my ways are not your ways. My ways are much higher than your understanding. Even love, you cannot even comprehend how wide and deep my love is for you. You think you know what love is, but I do not exist in your box to fit around you. I am always, here's what I've figured out, that God is always going to exist outside of our theological boxes that we try to put him in. But he invites us into something so much deeper than just theology to know about him. He invites us to come up with him into a relationship, a theopraxy, to practice intimacy with him, a trust with him that when the storms of life, they're going to punch us in the mouth, that he still holds us. See, it's sometimes in life when we experience pain and trials and tragedy that we just want to throw God out altogether. You don't fit in my box. I don't understand you, so peace, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. And this is where the writer of Hebrews comes in. The reason we have this passage today is because there was a group of Jewish folks who had their theological box completely exploded by the person of Jesus Christ. And they had begun to follow him, but now they're experiencing all kinds of pain, all kinds of suffering, all kinds of death around them. And they're just saying persecution around. They're saying, I just, I can't do this anymore. It doesn't meet our theological mind. My box has been exploded, but I just don't want to do this. I can't do this anymore, God. And they want to walk away. You get the sense that they want to give up on their faith altogether. And the writer of Hebrews, the reason that he writes Hebrews is to basically say, hold on, time out. Let me explain to you why you don't want to walk away, why you need to hold on. And he, and he waxes this incredible biblical just theology that is so thick and beautiful. And, and it's just an incredible apologetic for the Christian faith of why the, that the fulfillment of Jesus, he has fulfilled all of the prophecies that they had come to believe in. That, they had, that he has checked off every possible theological thing that they could understand. And then there's going to be the mysteries and the majesties of God that are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. They want to walk away, but he's painting this picture. If I could sum up the book of Hebrews, it's this. Jesus is better than your theological box. He blew up the Jewish understanding of a coming Messiah. And here he was now. Jesus is better than all of the law. He's the fulfillment of all the law. And then that's Hebrews 1 through 10. He paints this incredible apologetic for the Christian faith. It's beautiful. But then he can tell that they're not satisfied with that answer. They're like, dude, we know, but we're still done. And he says, hold on. Let me reach back into the heroes of the faith that you look up to so much that you want to be like and that you want to go back to and understand that they didn't get everything that they were promised, but we still call them heroes. And that by faith, 
Abraham, when God told him to go and leave everything that he ever knew, to leave that theological understanding, the box that you've put me in, leave it all and go to the place where I'm going to tell you to go. And he went and it was credited to him as righteousness. That Moses, think about a theological box, well, my goodness, see, on the burning bush, when God spoke to him and he says, I want you to go to Pharaoh, let my people go, a burning bush, do you have room for that in your theological box? Nothing like that has ever happened to me, right? But Moses obeyed and he went. And when the people of of Israel, when they were crossing over the Red Sea, talk about a theological box that exploded, right? Nature, this doesn't happen. Supernatural things began to happen and they crossed over on dry ground, Right? You think of Sarah, who was too old to have children, and supernaturally God said, you're going to have a kid. By faith, she believed. Right? You, you think about how the, the battle of Jericho, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, right? What usually you fight in a certain way. There's a theological box here. There's an understanding here. No, I just want you to go around it and then shout and blow trumpets. And the walls came tumbling down. You kidding me? We don't have room for that kind of stuff in our theological boxes. But I began to understand that God doesn't exist in boxes that we try to put him. If Easter teaches us anything, it should teach us that God does not belong in a box. And when we try to put him in a box, they tried to put Jesus in the grave. And three days later, he exploded that box. And he's alive, right? He exists outside. And, and watch this. He flips our boxes upside down. You don't, I don't exist in there. I, I'm on top of all of this. My ways are higher than your ways. And so he writes this. So because of all of that, therefore, look at this, therefore, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also follow their lead, right? Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Hold up right here. Do you realize Jesus had a different race? Moses had a different race. Abraham had a different race to run. Right? But all the while keeping their eyes focused on the one who they were in relationship with, but they were just different races to run. So, so it's before us looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the pain and the suffering and the shame of the cross, but despising its shame, he's now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus, he says who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. There are some of you who are here today, you're weary and you're faint-hearted in your faith. And he just gave us an incredible practical, painting that incredible apologetic that Jesus is better than all of this stuff. He now gives us some things to do. So I'm going to invite my wife, Erica, to come up here because I was trying to figure out how to do this illustration in COVID and I didn't, I was going to pick somebody out of the crowd, but, uh, you know, everybody, this is my wife, Erica, right here. Um, So Erica, why don't you come right here? All right, please. Uh, You can see uh, everybody that Erica is the uh, better half of Team Chevalier. Um, That uh, when you see her and you see me, you feel bad for her, right? You look at her and you're like, 
he definitely outpunted his coverage with her. So true. Now, I'm going to weigh Erica down with some things, right? Heavy backpack, you got that? I'm going to weigh her down with some theological textbooks. Look at this, strong concordance of the Bible right there. Okay, we got a whole survey of the New Testament right there. We got, and I'm just harder, sorry, right? Yeah, anyway, all right. Now watch this. This is the weight that the writer of Hebrews talks about. What kind of weight are you carrying Things that have been done to you. Things that you have done. Things that you don't want anybody else to know about. They're hidden away in your backpack and they're weighing you down. Theological understandings that do not compute with what's in your backpack. There's also things that are good that are in your backpack that are weighing you down. Right? And we're going to get to that in a second, but watch this. We're also entangled. All right? He says we're entangled. I want to give you uh, an image here of what this looks like. Right? Check this out. Right? Check this out. We're entangled with all of this sin. All right? So here's the invitation. All right? You okay? You okay? All right, all right, just stare right there. All right, here's the invitation. Erica has good theology. She believes in God. She understands now what we've been through together as a couple, that God exists outside of our box, that we have tried to put him in, that he doesn't fit around us. We have to fit our lives around him, and he's up here. His ways are higher. And he says to all of us, imagine that this is you, with what's weighing you down and what you think you know about God and God's saying, come up here with me, right? I've set you free from all this stuff, from the penalty of the sin of death in your life. You are free from these things. Why are you still holding on to them? Come up here with me. Go ahead, try. Come up here. Okay, try to come up here, right? She, She can't even take my hand. Why? Because you're holding on to all these things. This is the illustration. This is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to see. We're weighed down. We can't come up to where he is because we choose to continue to hold on to these things. And so everybody, can you just give, I I just wanted to show you this illustration. Give Erica a hand here. All right. Appreciate that. All right, good. Thank you. So here's the idea of what Hebrews does. Jesus Christ has set us free from our sin. It's like he swung open the prison doors. Yet many of us, we choose to go back in. Many of us, we have weight on our backs that we don't even really know what is wrong with us. And it's holding us back from actually keeping our eyes focused on God. So what does he say to do? He says, drop the weight. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you need to drop some weight. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You might get hit, slapped, hurt somebody's feeling. But here's the idea. And I want to do a little bit of a different spin on this. There are some of you that are in here that are in so much pain. 
from stuff in your past that's been done to you, things that you've done, that you've been carrying around for so long, and you've been set free from them. And he, the writer of Hebrews, it's like, dude, easier said than done. How do I drop this stuff? I don't even, I don't even know how to drop these things that are deep inside of me that are holding me back from being my authentic, true self, even with God. But I want to go a little bit of an interesting direction because there are things in all of our lives that I think hold us back. It's, it's things that are inside this backpack that are even good, right? And if we were to reach in here and we would pull out, okay, my schedule is so weighed down with responsibilities and, and my kids' activities and I, I am so busy, I don't even have time to focus on God, now, now, here's the thing. I, like, I'm, not in, I'm not telling you to drop your kids. But here's what I think the writer of Hebrews is saying. Put them in their proper place. You know what, kids? For an hour and a half, I need me time to focus on Jesus. And if that means that you can't be involved in that fourth activity, so be it. Because I need to focus on Jesus. You know, our jobs, if we were to reach in here, some of our jobs are holding us back so much, working so long hours. It's become so complicated with COVID and, and Zoom and all of this stuff that, that because of that, it's taken our eyes off here. You can't drop your job. Just put it in its proper place. Take it off. I want to do this for you, God. Right? It's, it's not that we don't have responsibilities. That's not what I'm saying. Sometimes our weight is completely disproportionate to our focus. So what is it that you need to drop? Something that you can control, that you need to say no to, that you need to stop doing so that your eyes can be focused and you can actually come up to where God is. The second thing that he tells us to do is that we need to throw off of this sin, right? Many of us, we are wrapped up in this sin. We have patterns in our lives. And you notice that the, the ropes are loose. God broke the chain. He set us free from this stuff. We're the ones who keep coming back to these patterns, and here's the thing that I've learned about tragedy and suffering and trials and trauma is sometimes I don't even know how I got so entangled in these things because something happened to me in my childhood that I can't even recall. And something is coming out of me as a behavior that's so deeply tied in and I don't know how to untangle it. And so to focus on Jesus, he tells me to just untangle it and throw it off. And I'm like, dude, I want to punch you in the mouth because it's not that easy. Anybody else with me with that? Do you get frustrated sometimes when you read the scripture and it seems like it's such a simple truth and you're like, well, how do I do it? Like help a brother out. And you realize that's what God did. The third person of the Trinity is our helper. 
Jesus himself said, there will be no temptation that you will not be able to find your way out of. You just have to take the way. I've done it for you. You just have to be able to get to it and take it yourself. Sometimes we're so comfortable in our sin, we don't want to give it up. I don't know what it is for you. What is that sin that you need to throw away? Like, you need to get serious. I need to get serious about the sin. And sometimes in our culture, I think it's become so normalized. Some of the things that we just now accept so widely in our culture that God hates. For instance, gossip. You know God hates gossip? But I think social media has normalized it so much. Right? (laughs) Sexual immorality. I mean, there isn't a show that you can't stream. I mean, it's, it's so hard to find pure shows, right? It's become so normalized in our culture, but we have to begin as his church who's been set apart to come up with him. We have to begin hating these things so that we can keep our eyes focused on Jesus and not entangled in these things, these patterns. What do you need to drop Third, he says that we need to focus on Jesus, who, by the way, he suffered. He experienced death, tragedy, pain. He was spit upon. He was persecuted. He went through all kinds of awful things. And if your theological box built around yourself does not leave room for suffering and persecution and tragedy and pain and death then your theological box cannot coexist with the person and the life and the teaching of Jesus Christ. I believe there's a dangerous gospel that is being preached. That it's that I built off of one verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper When you build a theology off of one verse, you are in dangerous waters. And you have never experienced the God of the Bible. Because he suffered. But he did it for a purpose. Now I'm getting getting to the end here. I want to basically like say this. When I read the scriptures sometimes, I get so frustrated, especially with the death of my brother. Because I believe that that God had the power. He could have. He could have healed him. But God said no. And when that happened, it unlocked, I don't know how to fully explain this to you, it unlocked a piece of me that was so nasty and ugly that I didn't really even remember that it should exist. And some things started to come to the surface. And it started to scare me. I've been a pastor for 20-whatever years now. And some of the things that were coming up were scaring me. And I didn't know how to drop them. I didn't know how to untangle it. And I'm saying, I believe in you, God. It's not that. It's just I need help. See, in the church, I believe that we need to seek help. 
Sometimes we sit in these pews and we suffer in silence because maybe the stuff that happened to us or the stuff that we did is so shameful and do you realize that is a tool of the enemy? He wants to keep you there so that you can't go up. So I believe that God has given us each other to be able to follow the, you know, the teachings of the scriptures that when we confess our sin to each other, we confess that shame. That's when the healing comes. But I think we've been duped that we have to suffer in silence like we all have it together here. Come on, man. You're hurting. Admit it. You got pain and tragedy that happened in your life and it does not meet your expectation of what God should have done. Say that. Nobody's going to, like, they're not going to look down on you because of that. And if they do, mm, I don't want to give you permission to punch them in the face, but they're not being their true authentic self. See, I believe in C.S. Lewis, his quote He said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, in our prospering. He speaks to us in our consciousness, but you know what he does in our pain? He shouts to us. It's not that your faith is failing. It's being forged in Jesus and Jesus alone who has taken the pain to the cross for you, who's taken the shame for you. And it's time for the church to get honest And I believe that in these last couple of months where I've been man enough to admit that I need professional help, there are things that Pastor Craig is not trained for. You know, think about it this way. Ben Roethlisberger's injury to his elbow, speaking of the Steelers, right? The injury to his elbow, none of you would go up to Big Ben and say, dude, you're so weak because you went to a surgeon. Because you went to a specialist, right? Why couldn't you just man up and tough it out? None of you would do that. He's one of the toughest dudes that I know. But here's the thing. You couldn't see the pain. You couldn't see what let loose. You couldn't see the injury. On the outside, it looked fine. There are some of us who think that counseling is for weak people. I want to erase the stigma in the church today by saying that counseling is not for the weak. It's for the wise. And there are some things that some of you are dealing with that the general practitioners can't handle. They haven't been trained in it. But you need to find somebody who's not going to take you and rip you away from a theological box that God is showing you. And you need to be able to go to somebody who precisely can perform surgery on your, on your guts inside of you of what's holding you back. Why you've developed those sin patterns because they're deep and you don't know how to fix them. With the Holy Spirit's help and sometimes a person who's been trained, who has knowledge to know how to unpack those things to get to the true self, God can do amazing things. But here's what we have to do. God, I'm going to start here and I'm going to, I'm going to take this off and I'm going to be honest about it. And I need you to take it and help me begin to unpack 
all of these things. What are the things I need to drop? I know these sin patterns and I, and I believe in your power, but there's something deep that just got released because of tragedy and pain and suffering and trials. I give it all to you. Help me know who I need to seek help from. See, when we forge a faith based off of theological boxes that are built around our own experiences and around us, They will always fail us. God doesn't exist in those boxes. But he invites us into a right relationship with him. And it's all because Jesus went through the pain and the suffering, the tribulation, the trials. And I would encourage you, Christ Church at Grove Farm, to forge a Jesus-only faith like the writer of Hebrews is telling us to do. Look only to Jesus. Forget everything else. Focus on Jesus. The author, perfecter of our faith. Let me pray for us. God, I know here today that there are many people who are in pain. And my prayer is that the church would get more honest. That the church would become more authentic. That people who are here who are suffering in silence, God, you would give them the courage to speak out. To ask for help. God, I pray that people would turn to you. If they've just maybe been in church their entire life and and they know about you, but they've never experienced a relationship with you, God, that you would draw them to the one and the only foundation of our faith named Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you need Jesus in your life, then man, you need to talk, tell somebody, Right now, here in this place, you can reach out to God and say, I don't have it all figured out. I'm in pain. This doesn't make sense in my life, but I know I need you. If that's you right now, I want you to pray this simple prayer. God, I am a mess. My sin is entangled over in my entire life. And I give my life to you right now. I give, I give this backpack of the weight. I give my past. I give what's done to me. I give what I have done. I, I, I'm try, I've been trying to untangle myself and unlock these chains for so long. But God, I just need to give myself to you. I believe that Jesus Christ did what he did. That he died on that cross for my sins to break those chains. That three days later he rose from the grave so that I might be free. That he showed me that death couldn't even hold him down. And that I don't have to be held down anymore by these things. God, we thank you that I can give my life freely to you this morning. If that's you, and you prayed that prayer here this morning, you need to tell somebody. That's the beginning. Confessing your faith in Jesus Christ to somebody. If that somebody's me or Pastor Craig or Gideon, man, we would love to hear that. So look up at me here, Christ Church, as we close out today. It's a privilege to be with you. I love your pastor. We've become really good friends. Accountability of reading the scriptures together. I love what God is doing in you, and I believe God is doing today in the American church. Is he stripping us from all the things that are holding us down and helping us recognize that it's a Jesus-only faith that's going to take us up? So thank you for allowing me to be here today.
God bless you. God bless Christ Church at Grove Farm. Thanks.